just sang a song. I said, your grace is enough. I don't know how you sang that this morning. If you had a hard time. If you needed extra grace. Or if you sang it with some great vigor and fervor. Because deep down you're at a spot where God's grace is really connecting with you. And maybe you moved your mouth along a little bit. You weren't sure if God could be gracious to you. Maybe some other thought went through your mind. I want us to think today and give some real good energy to how we got here. Now seriously, not like you got in a car or you walked or the door opened and you know you walked in and sat down, but, but how did you get here? What is the, the, the sum of everything that has happened for you, us, to be sitting right here. Now, this is not health class, all right? So we're not going to be doing any uh, biological things this morning. I want you to think about your history. I want you to think about your family tree, the people that have gone before you, how they lived their lives. Think about the, their near misses, their their failures, their successes, the good, the bad, everything that is a part of the makeup of who you are. I received in my email a, a while ago something from a long time ago. <laughs> uh, somebody uh, emailed me a link to an obituary for the Reverend A. B. Burkholder. And come to find out that this is my grandfather's grandfather. I had no clue that there was another pastor. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I found this pretty fascinating. A.B. is for Abraham B. Burkholder. He was possessed with <laughs> he was possessed with an optimistic, hopeful, and sunny disposition and good humor. As a minister, he never shirked his duty and was willing and faithful to every call and very zealous for the welfare of the non-resistant faith in the Mennonite church with which he was united in his early manhood. He was a great lover of sacred music, especially the songs in the Harmonica Sacra. He attended hundreds, I just lost the page, of old folk sings. I guess that's where we're supposed to stop for today, and we'll do that. I, I found those things about an ancestor that I never knew about and never spoke to, my, my grandfather's grandfather. I never knew those things. And somebody said, I thought you'd like to know there was a, a pastor. I don't even know how she found it. Uh, librarians are great. <laughs> Let me tell you, they'll find things and they'll send them to you. So uh, we are all a product of our past. Uh, what was read for us in Genesis 11 today, uh, it doesn't sound super exciting. We've been going through some of these names. We've been looking at the lines of the people uh, that have come uh, out of the eight people that got off the ark, all 
earth was destroyed. All living flesh that is on the earth. For those that tried that memory passage. Uh, something like that. Uh, Noah uh, was the recipient of a covenant uh, from God that he would never destroy again all living flesh on the earth by water. And so as you think about your past, uh, even where we are now in Genesis 11, uh, wrapping up uh, this series where most would recognize this is the first chunk of Bible history, even where we are right now, these people that these names that were just read for us are a product of their past. You, you might be sitting here thinking about this. You might be thinking about your ancestors. You might uh, praise God because there are multiple generations of faith before you. If you are, and that is your situation, then praise God. But there are others of you who will wonder, how on earth did this ever happen to me? I'm here in this church, and they're talking about the grace of God, and they're talking about Jesus, and somehow, some way, I have come to believe this. Because there is hardly any evidence of belief in this in my background at all. You may be thinking that, and you might feel left out. Don't feel left out. The point is, is that the people on this page, if we're going to look at this transition out of this section of Genesis... And into something else, we're going to see that these people are a product of the past. This isn't just a setup for something else. This isn't just a way to pass time at the end of chapter 11. I want us to see how God works and how he moves. I want you to look at this. You see, Noah, the Bible tells us Noah lived 950 years. You see his son Shem, who lived 600 years, and you see Abram, who lived 175 years. And uh, those, aren't, those rectangles aren't just uh, willy-nilly. Uh, imagine that's an actual timeline. And so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to put an oval, and I want you to see where these names overlap. I'm not going to tell you that Noah and Abram were next-door neighbors, but if you follow the Bible timeline, they were on earth at the same time. This just helps us to frame what God is doing. It's really hard to read the end of Genesis 11 and then get into Genesis 12 with God's promises to Abram and not realize there's such a direct connection to who Noah was in the covenant that we just did a memory passage about, about Noah. So I found that type of thing fascinating. We're product uh, these people in Genesis 11, they're a product of the past. It seems like Noah, when he was, he was really old all right, at this point, but he's still alive. And in, in, in our day and age, we're like, that was a couple chapters ago. <laughs> That's old news. We flipped a page on that. Well, he was still around. And that past and the covenant and everything that God was bringing about one of the big themes we're going to see here is that there, there's motion in this. This is a challenging reminder to us, back to our title. I want you to see how God uses people. Uh, the calculation would be that Shem, Noah, and Abram lived all together for 39 years. Incredible. A product of the past. So get that as you think about your past, think about these people and the Bible's past, because what happens is these people and their place in this story and their place in this transition at the end of chapter 11, uh, it's, it's a revelation of God's grace. We read in Genesis 3 
the most horrific event in, in human history is not some massive war. It's the day that human beings decided to rebel against God. The most horrific thing that has ever happened is the day that Adam and Eve sinned against God. It's known as the fall. There was, certainly there was fall out from their sin. Sin then became ingrained in humans, a part of the DNA. The Bible tells us we're all in sin. There's nobody who doesn't sin. And so these people and these names on this page uh, doesn't mean that because they made the biblical record, they're somehow great people. They are a product of God's grace and in need of his grace. You, you might think that after God judged the entire earth, Genesis 6, 7, 8, that all life, the story of the ark, Noah and his family are, are on the ark combined about a year. Uh, we studied that as part of this service, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. And uh, what is God going to do when we're going to get off this boat? And are we going to be able to find anything to eat? And what's going to happen? And you, you might think that after that, you, it would be perfect. God got rid of all the sin, but one of the first things we see in chapter 9 is Noah himself stumbling. And so then we see his lineage come out of this, and we see different emphasis on the people in the lineage. We see Shem as the main, the main line of his three sons. We see Ham's line cursed through Canaan. You go back and read that event that happened in, in chapter 9, and, and you see Japheth. You see these three sons, and you see one of them get the most attention. I'm not convinced it's because it was the most spotless line there ever was. God, in his grace, you might say, well, that's not fair. We've talked about this concept. Grace itself is unfair. Everybody deserves to die. And so here we are in this story. The fact that these people have made it this far and that God hadn't chose to wipe them out again is God's grace. God made the covenant. He made the promise. He set them out and said, this is what you're supposed to do. I see some younger people here, and I'm glad for that. I want you to think about this. All right, if you're school age, you're junior high, you're in high school, I want you to think about if this whole school year you have a certain friend who keeps crossing you and betraying you and bad-mouthing you and lying about you. Now, if you have such a friend, I would challenge you, you need to get some new friends. First of all, that would be my advice. All right, second of all, I want you to imagine, could I bear with this person? Could I bear with them very long? Would I stay with them? Would I be able to do that? It's a question, a challenge that needs to rattle around in our mind. I see some elderly in the room. So let's think about your line and your lineage. What if you had a grandchild or a, a grandchildren and a number of them, a slew of them, and, and maybe one or two of them decide they're going to reject God completely. But others are fruitful and faithful. I don't say this lightly. How do we feel? How do we evaluate ourselves? Are we a failure because somebody in our line rejected God? Or is it God's grace that keeps the line of faithfulness going? The people in this story, Abram's father, Terah, 
We see Abram. We see Sarai. We see that one of Abram's siblings dies. We see they've got some, some problems. We think about our own past sins. Let's put it right in the room. Let's put it right in our heart today. Maybe you're not unlike me, where on a regular basis, Satan wants to remind me of everything horrible I've ever done. And he wants to try to tell me I'm not worthy of God's love for me. And we might sit here and consider I am so bad, I've done so many things, God could never forgive me. Or that whole experience I had with his, his uh, grace, and it was so amazing when I understood his love, that Satan comes in and says, no, that wasn't real, and he'll tell us lies. These people reveal God's grace. They're part of God's story. And I want us not just to know history today, I want us to be able to see ourselves. And to think about where we've come from and what God is doing and where we're going. If it feels a little bit heavy, like a little bit more than a few names on a page, then good! This is amazing stuff of how God sets this up. So these people don't only reveal God's grace. Genesis 8.21 <laughs> here's after the flood I'll never again curse the ground because of man for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth this is after the flood after the judgment part of God's promises moving forward he's aware that sin is still in the heart of human beings but he's also a God who's showing that he's willing to continue to walk with them and work with them no matter what grace something that we don't deserve. If I offered you a free car, your eyes would perk up, or those of you that are really smart would go, what are the tax ramifications of that? You would say, well, I've done nothing to deserve the car. Well, that's the point exactly. That's God's grace. These people have done nothing to deserve it. Nobody in their line is spotless. I don't do that to shame biblical characters. I, I do that, and I point this out today to show you that these biblical heroes were in need of God's grace, just like we are. And so if they reveal God's grace, we can also say that they need God's grace. Let's dig in. Terah, Abram's father. His name actually means, in Hebrew, it means delay. He must have worked for the airlines. Okay, I'm kidding. We didn't have airplanes back then. But his, his name means delay. And there's a, there's a connection between Terah and his unfaithfulness and the movement of God in Abram's life. You'll see that they moved and they settled and it wasn't in the place they were going. It wasn't in the land ultimately that God told Abram. We'll find that out in chapter 12 if you read that. But you might say, well, how do you know that Terah was unfaithful? You might say, how do I know that? It doesn't say that here in the page. Over in Joshua, chapter 24, you can look in the second verse if you're a note taker, and it talks about Terah, Abram's father, and how he used to worship other gods. So his presence in this story is a confusing and a muddying presence. It's not helpful. It's not of God. And it's even from the line of Shem where God is working. He delays, we can infer, the obedience 
of Abraham that I mentioned. These people weren't perfect and they needed God's grace. How about Sarai? Her name is on this page. It says, verse 30, Sarai was barren and she had no child. What I'm going to say here is a description of their culture and not an approval of the way that they did things. I want to describe the history. In the historical setting, Sarah, being a woman and being childless, had two strikes against her. It was a male-heavy and male-dominated culture, and the value of women was directly tied to the number of sons that they had in their lineage. One commentator that I read said she had a big fat zero as far as her worth. God's promises to Abram would ultimately be fulfilled through Sarai, who starts her life and her marriage in a place where she needs a lot of help and probably feels completely worthless. These are people who are in need of God's grace. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in a place where you feel completely worthless? I've blown it. Or I've heard lies that people tell about me and my worth. Fill in the blank. These are people, by the grace of God, that he chooses to work through. By the grace of God, there would be fruit from Ham's line. There would be fruit from Japheth's line. And there would be fruit from Shem's line. Different times, different places. The story from Genesis 11 moves forward to Abram. And it is by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. When there are people who are disobedient, when there are people who feel completely worthless and aren't sure what is going to happen or how God could ever use them, God has a plan. He has a purpose. That's what we see happening as this historical account moves forward. And so here then is the challenge. Think about this. If their story is moving, if their story is going forward, then what? I want to take us back a couple of weeks ago. It gives a reminder about what's going on here. A couple of weeks ago, I started a sermon by asking if anyone in a room knew the original purpose of bubble wrap. I was not prepared that day for somebody to actually know the answer to my question. If you go back and you listen, I, I am certain that I was completely flustered at that point in the message. I had not planned for that. But one very amazing young man knew the answer to my question. But what I want to ask you all today is who remembers why I asked the question about bubble wrap? Does anybody remember why I asked that? Do you have this right, Eddie? You should. I believe you should. The question now is do you raise your hand? We're going to put you on the spot, my friend. 
what, is, what, what was the purpose of that illustration? Why the original purpose of bubble wrap? Close. You're very close. Somebody want to add on and straighten it out just a little bit. He said, uh, so we talk about things that are meant one way but go a different way. Anybody remember why the original purpose of this document? Yes, the original purpose of this. I want you to see this. This blew me away this week in looking at this. I have, uh, a number of you have come out throughout this series so far, and you have said, I never thought of that. I didn't know that. And I'm like, well, good. I'm learning things, too. I, I had never framed this information in my mind until this week that I'm about to show you. Anybody in here like pie charts? Okay, a few of you are weird. <laughs> I like pie charts, too. I'm not going to lie. I'm weird. It's public. Okay. Here we go. Pie chart. Look at that. The pie chart is the total years of history in the book of Genesis. How many chapters? 50. We're at 11. You see that? Do you see that? It's amazing. 85% of the volume of history is already over. The beginning. God in the beginning is the, the name of this series we put on this way back when we started this series. The beginning belongs to God. But the beginning is only the beginning. The rest of the book about beginnings is a shorter amount of time and a lot farther than the actual beginning. Don't be confused. Genesis 12 through 50 take us through about 300 and some years of history. What is the purpose? What does this tell us? It doesn't tell us that this history is meaningless. It doesn't tell us that it only gets 11 chapters. It tell us, tells us there's a purpose. And the way God wanted the story to be told is to start at chapter 12 and go to 50 is where the bulk of the energy of the storyteller goes. The Holy Spirit said, put the bulk of the emphasis on these 350 years and not these other ones. The purpose for us. It's not that we can't trust the history. It's not that we can't trust the science. We can. It's God's word. It's authoritative. But we want to pay attention to the story. And the story as we're transitioning out of chapter 11 is that the story is moving. And it's moving toward God and his promises and working with a people. Last week, I showed you this chart. The story is moving. I am so glad that God, who has revealed his son, Jesus Christ, to us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth about 33 years. And during his three years of public ministry, he healed, and he did miracles, and he taught, and he wowed people with his wisdom. And at the end of it all, his opponents hated him so much that they killed him. And they thought they won. But what they didn't realize is the story was still moving. It was God's plan for Jesus to be killed. The prophets told about it. He would suffer for that thing that we've been talking about today called sin. He would suffer 
for sin and be buried in a tomb. And when they put him in the tomb, they put a big, uh, a big stone they rolled in front of it. And they put the guard there. They thought they had it sealed. And they didn't. Nothing that humans desire to do can contain the plan and the power of God. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. The guards shook in fright like dead men. The stone was rolled away. An angel came down from heaven. God intervened and showed, I'm bigger than all of you who want to try to control my plan. His plans never fail, and they'll never stop until the day in the future when Jesus returns physically to this earth. And there is a new heavens and a new earth. And the root of all of these doctrines, the story's been moving. The root of everything I just said is found right here in Genesis 1 through 11. Amazing. Enthralling. We'll get a little bit deeper into that tonight as well. And so I want to ask you today, if their story was still moving, despite all of the sin, despite the failures, despite all of it, if God had a purpose moving forward for them, do we really believe when we hit the skids and life is rough and we don't know what's going to happen and we feel the pain of that mistake and we remember the sorrow of that sin and the fallout and the consequence to us personally or to somebody else, and we remember it. The question we have to ask is the song that we sang, and is grace enough? Is God's grace enough? See, none of these people earned their way into the story. God worked in them. They responded to him as he called them and led them. I don't know which way or where God may be calling you today. But if he is challenging you, if your spirit inside of you today, your heart is beating and you feel restless, I want to challenge you now in this time that we have and in the, the hours and the days ahead to get in touch with that and to say, yes, Lord, I want to see where your story is leading me. Maybe that's to faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. Maybe you're understanding today that God does have a plan. He can work through you. He can forgive you because he loves you. That's all true, and it always will be. Satan will make it up for debate often. But God's voice and God's truth really are the final answer. The story keeps moving. There is a path forward no matter how dark the night may seem. We know through the story of Scripture, we know that the story will go on. There's another day. There's another chance. God is a God of grace. None of us earned Jesus going to the cross for us. None of us earned the opportunity to serve Jesus and lead people to faith in Christ. None of us earned going to the mission field or the position we have, or the degree, or even being here today, our life and breath, none of us earned it. It's all a sign of God's grace. If their story is moving, then just could it be that no matter your age, your background, your intellectual ability, your income level, your race, your zip code, no matter any of it, if their story was moving, is it just possible that God has a story moving forward that includes you? I would say the answer is yes. His grace is enough. 
and we are a part of that story. Will we obey? Will we say, yes, Lord, I will follow? Will we do that? That's the question that demands our attention as we close our time together.